Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. Thank you so much for listening today. It is a very special day for us here. Get Your Book Seen and Sold, the book, the essential book marketing and publishing guide, co-authored by my friend, business colleague, and publisher, Julie Merquette, launches today. In honor of that, we have invited writer and author Meg Olders to interview me and ask her burning book marketing questions in hopes that we cover some of the questions you may have about book marketing. It is our gift to you for your support of the book and the podcast. Please pick up a copy or download a copy of the book today, wherever you buy books. And if you are so inclined, leave a book review on the site where you buy it. Enjoy the podcast and never stop getting your book seen and sold. Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am your host, Claudine Wolk. With us today is Meg Olders. She is the author of the book See Dot Smile and the creator of the Substack Stock Fiction. You can find her popular Substack at stockfiction.substack.com and also her Instagram at writer R I T E R Melon M E L O N. Thank you so much, Meg, for being with us today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So on this very special occasion, my brand new book, co-authored with Julie Marquette, comes out and it is called Get Your Book Seen and Sold, The Essential Book Marketing and Publishing Guide. And Meg has generously agreed to give you all a gift. And that is she's going to ask you, she's going to ask me questions about book marketing And hopefully she hits upon one of your questions and some of your questions are answered and you're motivated to get your book seen and sold. So with that, Meg, you're on. Okay. A turning of the tables and turning of the (laughs) microphone. I love it. So um, first off, I just want to say that the book was great. Um, I mean, you you saw my blurb, but it was very easy to digest. Um, At no point did I feel like the information was over my head or inaccessible, which is huge, I think, especially for people who aren't marketing minded. Um, So one of the biggest questions I had that always comes up for me is, as writers and as creative writers, especially, you know, we're working really hard at building our platforms and, you know, making our connections. And it's the amount of time I want to know about. Do you have any advice for writers who don't know how much of their time to dedicate to marketing tasks in addition to their creative work? Because I think sometimes I know for myself, I feel very overwhelmed that it's on my to-do list, but how much of my time should I be dedicating to that? So I didn't know if you had just a little piece of advice about that. Yeah, it's a great question. And it's something that authors struggle with for sure. I tend to do two things when I'm deciding where to spend time. I mean, the the number one thing is that you absolutely have to spend time book marketing or your book will not be seen, period. You know, I I, I like to say if Pepsi has to promote and they do like at the Super Bowl, get out on TV, then you do too, for sure, no matter how great your work is. But where you spend your time can really make a difference in the amount of time you spend. And taking the time up front to identify what we talk about in the book, which is your your message, your audience, your hook, message audience for sure, 
can help you to really target where you're going to spend your time and have your book marketing efforts make more of a difference. So that's the first thing, really targeting where you want to spend your time because you have done some analysis and made the decision that this is where your readers, your book buyers are going to be. The other thing I like to say is where are you spending your time that's actually going to result in you making some money, right? Because there's so many things that you can do to focus on the things where a dollar sign might be the result is really important and not to kind of run down bunny trails of, you know, the latest thing that's come out that people say, hey, do this and do that. And there are a lot (laughs) of things, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. there's all different kinds of places that you can that you can spend your time. So like I said, taking the time up front to decide where to focus your efforts, where you think your audiences are going to reside, and then maybe pushing away all the other, you know, noise that's coming at you. Hey, spend time here, spend time there. And then when you do decide to spend the time, okay, how is this just taking a minute, just take a minute, how much money am I going to get from this? Or how much money could I potentially get from this? And is it worth my effort? And that's why that's why I love Substack, because on Substack, you're creating a nice, warm, welcoming audience who will be buying your book, probably, you're already dealing with writers, you're dealing with readers who like to read, who like to buy books already. So in terms of a target audience, I mean, gosh, you're already there. So keeping right. up with a Substack is probably, you know, a good way to spend your time, for example. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> for example, I had a comma I'm after done. it. So I'm done. Yeah. This is really so, hard example. to be on this side of things. I'm used to just throwing oh, I know, out and the I was like, Am I supposed to, mm-hmm, and yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh, in between? Yes. I, know. I don't oh, know how to yes. do this either. So this is hilarious. Okay, so <laughs> excellent. Thank you for that. That was very good. Um, so... In our previous interview, which maybe some of your audience remembers, if yes. they yes. um, you mentioned a couple of um, sources for listing yourself. One of them was matchmaker.fm, which is a way to connect with podcast hosts. And then I've also heard about Book Funnel. I was just curious if you had any more of those sort of resources because I think it's hard to know what to pick and it's hard to know what's out there. Sometimes, you know, you can go to a website that's like 500. 500- places where you can list your book and you got to assume 495 of those are places you probably don't need to bother listing their book. So I always like sort of vetted answers to these sort of questions, people that have been there or people that have, you know, found success there. So I guess if you have any additional places where a person might put themselves, put a profile down and what they're working on with links, um, I'd love to hear what those are. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, there's two different things that there's a di- there's distribution like when your book is already published mm-hmm. and there's distribution and where are you going to put your book out there for distributors to sell your book so there there are like you know 40 different online places that you can put your book for example your ebook to be sold right and some of those are kind of international and it, those are worthwhile to do um, Even just that number, Claudine, is impressive it, to me because I think most people just think it's Amazon and it's Amazon. And there's it. where else do you put it? That's so, it. yeah, I don't think everyone knows about right. those other 39 yes. <laughs> places. Yes. And I, there's a post on my Substack about distributors and aggregators. And okay. things change all the time. So I won't get real specific because it would be outdated. But there are aggregators out there, like, for example, Ingram. People have heard of Ingram Spark. 
So Mm -hmm. if you place your book with Ingram Spark, they are an aggregator. They'll take your book and they will put your book on, you know, maybe 10 other book distribution sites or online book sites to be sold. So you don't physically have to do it. Now, you could, if you were self-publisher, you could decide you're going to do it yourself. But that would mean creating accounts and passwords and going online and making sure they're there. And those are are the types of things that you can do as a self-publisher. If you're traditionally published, your publisher is going to handle that. For example. Um, But that's the first place where you want your books. Because again, think of audience. People who buy books go to those online, you know, book sites. Um, But in terms of where else to list your book, I am more in the camp of doing the research ahead of time to find out which sites are or which like, like, for example, you mentioned Mm matchmaker.fm. So that's the kind of place where you would say, okay, I want to be a podcast host on someone's podcast, and I'm going to load up my information and hope that they get in touch with me to be on their show. I found that it's a little more, you get more success when you actually do the research yourself, find right. podcasts that are related to your book and directly pitch the, mm-hmm. you know, the the person on the podcast. Right. But then are we talking about like a BookBub kind of thing, listing your book on BookBub or creating an account as an author on BookBub or Go- Goodreads, those types of places? Yeah, I suppose I'm curious, like is, I mean, it's probably like any other part of the process, like casting a wide net is not necessarily a bad thing, especially right. if it's not eating up a ton of time to do it. Um, but then you do wonder how many right. are you actually hooking with, with those sort of sites that everybody dumps their books onto. It's kind of like you get lost a little bit. Um, so what you're saying is a direct approach is usually more effective. That's what I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, you know, making sure that, you know, there's just so, so many different things you, you can do. I mean, there's there's places that you can put your ebook on where they may, um, if you offer it at a discount or you offer it for free, then, you know, they'll they'll put your book out everywhere. The problem right. is that so many of those sites now are becoming so popular that you, you run into the problem of visibility and there's just, mm-hmm. it's so crowded. And, you know, so again, I'm, I'm kind of old school. I think yeah. it's best to do your research up front and to look at books that are so much like yours right? and then do a little research on that book and find out where else is that book? Where is that mm-hmm. book you know, when you go to that person's website, the author's website, that's kind of like yours. Um, right. Where has has she gotten or he gotten publicity, promotion, wherever, and then search out those those uh, those um, outlets because I think there there's where you're going to have the the best luck. Well, and on the subject of being old school, because I'm kind of <laughs> the same way. Yeah. Um, I did have a question about what's your take on like book fairs and. Comic cons or cons in general, like those kind of events mm-hmm. where you can set up a table and you can actually engage one on one with your audience. Like, have you worked on that scene at all with your book, your previous book? I did. I mean, I there back and again, it was in two thousand nine that I published my first book. It gets easier and other lies we tell new mothers. And in two thousand nine, gosh, there were so many fun book fairs that you could go to and be there in person. And, and have an author signing. And of course, you had to pay for all that. Um, right. The one I'm thinking of in particular is the one that was held in uh, New York City, and that was called Book Expo America. Um, when I first published, I was in 
Los Angeles. That's where it was held. The book expo was held in Los Angeles. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had to promote myself, which is not something that comes naturally to me. And I don't think it comes naturally to a lot of authors. Right. Uh, it's a tough thing to do. But I had hired the help of a book marketer who knew how to navigate the book fairs and kind of taught me what I was going to have to do in order to get seen. And I think it really was um, it really was helpful. But the point is, they're not really doing those anymore. Right. They're doing some online things. Um, mm-hmm. They do have some local book fairs. I just I feel like, you know, sometimes those are just soul crushing, especially right. if you sign up and no one comes. And no one shows up. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, then you hear about people, too, who have like these funny stories, because what I appreciate about the way you approach marketing is to you suggest things that like most people aren't thinking of like I and I feel like I heard this story somewhere like somebody just you know has a backpack full of their books and goes and hangs out in like the subway station was that you that told me that story I can't remember but you know just things like that like maybe you sell three copies but it's like you just sold three copies of your book just by taking a walk you know it's like so I feel like there are we're all just so centered on the obvious Yes. Ways to like get your book in front of people. But I feel like the obvious ways are becoming harder and harder because they're so oversaturated because everyone's going there. So I feel like thinking outside the box is something I've been trying to do and also to play to your strengths because not not everybody wants to like fiddle around with algorithm games, you know, and (laughs) which is really not my scene. So and I think it's not a lot of people's scene. So then they put their book up on Amazon and then it just sits there and languishes because of the way the system works. Um, But I do think there are other ways. And I think exercising those ways is cool, especially if you're a person who doesn't mind being around people, which is also not every author, but that's it. That's it. And let me, let me give you an example. And by the way, I should just preface all of this with, you know, every book marketer that you talk to, every publicist that you talk to, every agent that you talk to, every editor that you're talking to is going to have a different opinion on how to do this. So somebody's going to be listening to this and be like, what is she saying? No, this is absolutely what you have to do. So everybody has a different opinion. Okay. That Mm -hmm. said with social media, to your point about algorithms and and saturation, gosh, it's so true. It's nice to have a social media presence in a, free, in, a in a few platforms. My theory on that is find the one that you like to do. Right. I mentioned Meg's Instagram at writer melon r i t e r m e l o n. She already enjoys the things that she's posting on her Instagram, and you can you can see it, you can feel it. It's genuine. You know, is is something that you really enjoy doing, you know, Facebook is, do you have a big Facebook following already? You know, those, those types of things. And that, that's where you focus your time on. Don't kind of spread out onto every social platform. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the, the, the fairs, I think there's a difference between the book fairs and the, and the writers conferences. I do think that going to a writers conference, an online conference that's been vetted, that you have, have seen, Uh, recommendations for. I think that's always a good idea if you're going to maybe be one-on-one with agents. Uh, You're going to be able to pitch. You're going to be able to talk to editors. You're going to learn. And we're not talking thousands of dollars here. But I mean, yeah, I think that's always a worthwhile thing for a writer to do. I think it's important for writers to understand the industry and maybe join a professional organization. There's a professional organization out there specifically for children's books. And I'll put it in the show notes. It's not top of mind right now. But um, is it SCBWI? That's that's it. That's yeah, it. that's the one I'm a member of. Yes. yes. So and I, I highly recommend it. There you go. That's important. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. but Definitely. yeah, 
but focus on focus on the things that you already like to do. And again, spend that time up front to do research on your genre, on the other writers in your genre. And I know it's scary. I know, because once you start going down that road of research and you start to see your competitive titles out there, it's like, oh my gosh, she she did something exactly like me. It's 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 hard. But again, yeah. there's room for everyone and your voice is unique. And what you can learn from what they're doing, what works, what doesn't work, is going to be invaluable and it's going to save you oodles of time and money. Right. So let's, that just kind of led me back to another question I had. So going to your book specifically into the message audience hook formula, yes. which I found very valuable. Good, I'm um, so in the book, you kind of, and there's little exercises for determining each of them. So the reason I like this is because it's a little different than as a fiction writer, what you're kind of programmed to do when you're querying, which is sort of the hook summary bio sort of formula, which is really dry and not super interesting. And it's missing the message part, which I thought was huge. Now, obviously, I kind of had to do some mental gymnastics when I was reading your book, because I'm looking at it as a fiction writer who writes novels, and your book is a nonfiction book. And so there are definitely some differences there in the way you're going to pitch. And also, just how you determine your audience and the message. But like, the brain dump exercise was great. I had never done that. And honestly, like, I think where my query letter was weak, and where I'm working on it now was that I didn't have that message distilled. Like, what is my book trying to say? Not what it's about, not what happens. That's important too. But like, that's what sets it apart. That's what makes it different is the message. Um, So I thought that was really cool. This isn't really a question. I'm just talking right now. So (laughs) go on, (laughs) Meg, go on. Tell me how great my book is. (laughs) I'm informing people that like, if they decide to read your book, and they are fiction writers, that there's still a parallel there, because I found that you could use the message audience hook formula and kind of flip it on its head for your query letter, like jumble the order. So you start with your hook, then your message, and then your audience. And the audience thing was big for me too, because while I know generally who my audience is, I felt like I needed to narrow it down even further. Um, yes, so far, the people who have read my YA book are people, you know, over 40, which is not my target no, audience. it is not. But I, right. No, it's not. But that doesn't mean those people wouldn't read it. But at the same time, yes. you know, I need to get down to who I'm, who I've written the book for. You bet. So I thought that section um, was really valuable. And I appreciated the exercises in there too, because sometimes you just need a little bit of a guide, guidance through how do I get this down? And the, the word distilling, I really liked. I think you used that word because that is what you're doing. You're taking like a massive amount of information and getting it down to like three sentences, which I think is really hard for novelists in particular, because you're talking about 50 to 100,000 words that you're trying to communicate in a sentence. Yep. Tricky, tricky business. It is. Um, so I guess I didn't have a specific question on that, but I did want to bring that up for, for your listeners. Um, no, I, pre- then, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So here's one for you with regard to connections, because you mentioned before that like people with connections Mm. often have a few more steps up the staircase than people who don't. So I do think it's more challenging, not necessarily to make connections, but to keep them now. I think with things being digital and everything feels sort of transient, like you're just moving on to the next thing so quickly. So I'm curious if you have any tips for first making initial connections in a way that's organic and doesn't feel 
too businessy because I think for people who aren't businessy, that feels awkward and uncomfortable. And we're always said, be yourself, be your authentic self, but also be uncomfortable because you have to go do this business stuff. Um, so how do you recommend people, you know, make initial connections? And then how do you suggest they keep in touch with those connections without being yeah. irritating? Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> too much. Yeah. And then the last part of that question is, you know, how do you get the most out of each connection you make? Like, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, here I am interviewing with you for a second time. And this was a result of you reaching out to me after having found my Substack. This is a good example of when this works. So I'm just curious what you have to say about that. You're right. You're so wise, Meg. You're absolutely oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Because it all, listen, it all comes down to good content. And and I, you had good content and I enjoyed what I read and I wanted to connect. And that's another reason why Substack is so great. Because again, it's not the whole universe. It's writers. It's writers mm -hmm. and it's readers, book readers. Um, but I made a big mistake the first time around with it gets easier and other lies we tell new mothers. And I thought that everybody would just be so excited for me because I was writing a book and that, you know, I could just reach out <laughs> to everyone I know and they'd be like, oh, my God, yes, we totally want to help you because you wrote a book. This is so great. You know, I was so excited. Right. So um, big mistake. And so I kind of kind of sent out a blanket email and here's a da -da, and I found out that people just don't care. They just yeah, don't or it's care. just hard for people to make that leap. It's the same yeah. thing with like finding paid subscribers. It's like I can't count on my closest <laughs> friends and family members for this. Like what? What's the point of having close friends I, and family listen, members if they're not going to just throw money at you? It, you know, my, right. my parents um, were excited. I mean, they helped me edit it. I was in California at the time and I was sending them, mailing them chapters, and then they would send it back with both of their um, comments and stuff. So my parents weren't in on it, but nobody else was. So I don't recommend that. What I recommend is focusing on the folks in your circle, you know, friends and family, if you want to go there first, who would already be interested in what you're doing. I mean, you know pretty much who reads young adult in your circles, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so focus on them. I should have focused on people who felt that honesty and motherhood and humor and talking about motherhood was a good idea. But I didn't. I just did a blanket thing. And um, so it wasn't very helpful. And then, again, we're back to the research. So what I did, and you talked a little bit about having the having the platform, not platform already, but maybe knowing some people. So when I first wrote It Gets Easier and Other Lies, We Tell New Mothers, honesty and humor and motherhood was a new thing. I know that's hard to believe because now that's right. everywhere. But back then, it was a new thing. And the book that was out there was um, Vicki Iovine's Girlfriend's Guide to Pregnancy. And that was just the standard. Right. And um, it, this book was everywhere. And I was writing my book at the same time, and I had that moment where it's like, oh, gosh, somebody already did it. And then I read it, and I thought, you know what? It's my What I'm trying to say here is different. My message is totally different from what she's doing there. The humor and honesty, yeah, maybe, but, you know, the other messages were different. So I looked into her a little bit, and I found out, like, that her husband was the – I'm going to get this wrong, but some, some, some major corporation's head of marketing. Well <laughs> – no wonder this book got everywhere and she, you know, had a publishing deal. I was nobody. I had nothing. You know, but what I did have was a real strong belief in what I was sharing. It meant a lot to me uh, to be able to tell other moms, you're not alone. 
if you feel like this isn't the most fabulous thing that's ever happened to you in your life, being a mother, then right. I'm with you. Because um, when I became a mother, I was like, oh, my God, like, what the heck? This is not what everybody said it was going to be. It's really hard. It's right. a total change to my, my, you know, what's going on in my life. It's not fun. It's really, you know, hard. And, and actually, everybody's telling me that I'm lucky to be taking care of this kid. And it's right. the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Wait a minute, there's a problem here. So mm-hmm. I wrote the book for other moms so that they would understand they're not alone. And here are some things that you can do to make this a little bit easier. And um, because the message was so important to me, uh, I pushed and pushed and pushed. And I actually created a publishing company and self-published the book first. But I had it with an agent. And three months later, she sold it to a traditional publisher who had me add three more chapters, change the color, but not the image on my book cover or the title, and then republished it. So mm-hmm. it's out there in two versions right now. But really, the HarperCollins version is the one that's out there now. Anyway, I was so convinced that the the message was a good one that I did what I t- what I just told you about I did my research and I looked into radio shows radio talk shows who I felt would get that honest humor message and I ended up physically sending the book or the galley at the time you know the galley right. a galley's the arc or the advanced reader mm-hmm. copy yep. and I sent it out to a producer with you know, what you would typically send with a producer, which is, you know, your cover letter, which basically says, here's my pitch, your press release, and, you know, any additional information that you want to send along with the book and said, hey, I think this would be great for your show. And they picked it up. They thought it was great. The show was nationally syndicated. And away we go. And who am I? I'm a nobody. Well, and that's just another example of thinking outside the box, because nobody thinks of radio anymore. That's right. Radio is... I still listen to the radio. I'm not in the car as much as I used to be, but when I am in there, I'm listening like to the actual radio, not, you know, satellite or anything. So I'm getting all the ads and all the whatever. Um, And people hear things on there. Like I do all the time. I'll listen to NPR and I'm like, I'm going to go check out that book or I'm going to go check out this person's comedy routine or whatever. Like it, it draws you to the person, but also you just get engaged with the material too that way. Oh, darn. I just got off my thought that you just made me think of when you said that. Um, radio and... It was about radio. Uh, and we talked about... Oh, because I just wanted to say you mentioned the stuff that you sent to them. And that's... I just wanted to like highlight the fact that that's all in the book. You have a whole section on the... What did you call it? The publicity something or the... Shake your tray. packet of stuff. Uh, yeah. Oh, the media kit. And the... Media kit. Yeah. There you go. Yes. Yeah. So... And that's something... That for me, I was like, ooh, that would be actually sort of fun to put together. Right. <laughs> sometimes the connection part is more scary, but the like, ooh, I can get nice pictures taken of myself and like yes. write up things that make me sound awesome. Like that sounds like fun. So that was sort of a fun, <laughs> it's kind of like crafting, like making your own Pinterest it page. It is fun. Well. And you know, you bring up a great point because the industry has changed so much, but in the book publishing industry, a lot has not changed. And there are certain materials that if you're going to pitch yourself as a guest on a podcast or for a story or mention of you or your book 
in a magazine or a newspaper, Mm -hmm. there are certain things they expect to see and you need to have. And the one important tool is the press release that we we talk about in the book and what that is. And you could write it. You're a writer. You could write it as long as you know what the standard items are that any media person would expect to see, then then you're golden. But it is worth it. And again, I I don't want to give the idea, oh my gosh, I sent this, you know, book to one radio station and everything took off from there. I sent it to a bunch of radio stations. Right. I researched. I figured out which radio stations might be, which shows might be good. There's all kinds of um, information in, at the library still that you can. You don't have to buy a big book that tells you every connection. You can go into the library. You can look online. There's all kinds of places where you can find um, and do some research on these. And especially podcasts are a great outlet too. You're, you're finding out, and again, find a comparative title. Look at that person's website, see what they're doing, what publicity are they doing? Generally, people have a page of events and publicity. Go and look at podcasts that have already done interviews with people like you and pitch them yourself. Um, But again, write that list, create that Excel spreadsheet, go to the list, make sure you have a little column that says what date you sent it so that you don't just keep sending them. And then you asked this before, how do you not become irritating? A trick there is send a pitch, let's say you do an email pitch, send an email pitch to someone, uh, a media contact, let's say. And then if you haven't heard from them in two weeks, Mm -hmm. go back and send the same email on top of the email uh, with the same signature line, but on top of the email, just write in in a, um, I always italicize it, in case you missed it, dot, dot, right. dot. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't, if they don't get back to you on the second round, assume they don't want to see it. That but I can't, yeah. I can't tell you how many times that I've done that. And I do get responses on the second time because gosh, I mean, everybody knows how their inboxes get flooded. Well, and that was actually, you've answered one of my questions, but I kind of was trying to create a parallel for people who are, you know, pitching agents because mm-hmm. that's another area altogether but you know this the follow-up email for what you're talking about like there are actually agents who say please don't do that oh don't <laughs> so send a second like you have to follow yeah you have to follow the guidelines but it is yes it's discouraging because i think follow-up makes sense and it shows that you're genuinely interested in that particular person reading your stuff so i feel like yep. that guideline sort of grates on me as a as a person who's trying to like make this work, but I understand that they're so inundated, but then there's like, there's such a great chance that they're missing things because, because they're not getting reminded or they're missing literally just their eyes are glazing over something. And isn't that a shame if they don't get a second chance to look at my book, for instance. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I feel like, and maybe there are some media contacts that would have similar guidelines. And I think your advice would be to always follow whatever the guidelines are for submissions anywhere? Or do you feel like you've skirted that in the past and had success? Because sometimes I wonder if you just yeah. break the rules that one time, yeah. if that's the one time. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, Because I'm pitching all the time. I'm still pitching people. I'm still pitching. I still pitch all the time. So what am I pitching? Mm-hmm. I'm pitching uh, my book because my book's coming out, right? Or came out today yay and yay it's today it's today exciting how perfect that we i know imagine that so (laughs) yeah i mean the idea is what was i pitching okay i'm pitching either you're pitching an interview a mention or a review as an author to a media contact who does book reviews let's say Hmm. okay so those are the three things you're after you're giving them an option interview mention 
or review. Okay. Right. So if they decide to do any, so, and, and, and then in the email, in the body of the email, you want to get to the point quick. And that's what I found is, has been the most successful for me. A pithy subject line that gets to the point and then a pitch that also is short and quick. And I've been pitching articles to writers, magazines, because again, target audience. Who's my target audience? I want writers. I want authors. What do writers and authors do? They buy writers' magazines. They subscribe to writers' magazines. They look mm-hmm. on online writers' Um, outlets. So, um, but one time I was pitching and sometimes you get into a zone and you've got your list maybe on Excel and you're pitch, 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 but you got to pitch down. You you like the way the pitch sounds. And then you you just go through your list and you got a bunch of people that you're pitching email to. So I was in that zone and I'm hitting, 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 hitting. And I'm like, oh no, I did it too quick. And I ended up pitching one of the magazine editors, the wrong pitch. Right. So I immediately wrote back and I had oops in the subject line. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I said, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to pitch you this story idea. I meant to pitch you this story idea. Don't you know that's the one that I got a hit on? Right. That's the one who bought my article. It's crazy. It's but did they buy the mistake article or the one that you meant to pitch? The one that I meant to pitch. Okay. But because I think because up. I had yeah. oops in the subject line, for some reason, it got her attention. So, right. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that that's a formula to get your thing. But again, it just... The <laughs> We're all just going to start putting oops, oops in our subject line. Oops. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she but told just, me to do it. Right. And, and the other thing, too, is, Meg, put yourself in that person's situation, whether it's an editor, whether it's a media person. You got a media person who's, who's an editor who's running a magazine. They want to know what quick you are offering to their readers, period. They don't care about your lifelong dream. They don't care about, you know, how important this book is to you or how it's going to help a million people. They want you to get to the point. And that's why the work that you do on message, audience, and hook is so important because that will help you distill the message, (laughs) right? The exact message that you want to get through. And again, pitching an article about what you're writing about is a great way to promote your book. Um, even though it's not specifically about your book, your byline, when that article gets published, is going to say, Meg Older's author, C.Smile. Right. So you could write about anything. And you know, I yeah. love I love your nonfiction on your Substack. Actually, I was going to, tomorrow I'm publishing um, on someone else's Substack, the Nemesis post. So I'll make oh, sure that- Oh, please. Well, you're on my list, so you'll get it. I'm going to cross post it. Yay. But yeah, so I, I tweaked it a little bit and that's going to go out to some more people tomorrow. So Absolutely. Yes. Excellent. So let's see. I'm probably going to jump onto something yeah, totally please. new now. Okay. Here's one. What do you think the value of a website, just an author website, is for someone who's not published or not close to published is there a value to that? And um, let me start there because this looks like a multi-pronged question I have written down here. Yep. So, yep. what is your opinion yep. on that? This is an I don't have I don't have one. For instance, my only presence is Instagram and Substack at this point. Okay, got it. I still think that it's important to have a website. Another mistake that I made that when I created my first website was I had, and this is back, back, so forgive me. This is back in 2008. I really didn't know any better. And websites were just becoming a thing. God, I'm so old. Anyway, it's, 
The guy that I hired um, to do my first website said, you got to pick a name that people are going to search on. I just did an article about this. People are going to search on topic, and that's how they're going to find your book. And that is kind of how it was. That's not how it is anymore. But that is how it was. So my first website was help for new moms, help the number four new moms, because that's really what I was trying, trying to do. And that worked Mm -hmm. out okay. But years later, oh my gosh, you know, it was one of the, um, my uh, colleague, Kate Brenton and I, we did a, we did a a Q&A at one of our local libraries. And that was a really big question. You know, what about the website? And that's easy. That's an easy answer. Your name, period. doesn't matter if you're known or you're not known, because eventually you will be known. And you want to send people to a professional website, and it can be very, very simple. So megolders.com, period. Mm -hmm. You know, homepage has your books, where to find it, where to buy it. Maybe um, another tab that has any events or sign up for your Substack, whatever it is that you feel that you're, you know, doing. But yeah, I I still think it's important to have one, and I think it should be your name. Right. Fantastic. Here's another question. So how much marketing material should someone at the earliest stages of publishing have ready to go? So I'm going to use myself as an example. I don't have a published book yet that I can sell on my website, but my book is available to read. I think you've kind of just answered this. So like, I would just link people to where it is. And obviously the website can sort of morph over time as that changes. Like for instance, C.Smile is currently on Wattpad. I'm giving it (laughs) a stay of execution or something I'm calling it. Are you? Um, for a little bit longer. Well, I'm going to move it to Substack. Okay. Because I feel like part of the reason is I'm going to put most of it behind a paywall and see if that's in, a way in, to in get like some a ser- more. serialization. I'm just going to put it up like okay. a full novel. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It'll be in chapters, but um Okay. But I feel I feel comfortable on Substack. I've I've never really felt at home on Wattpad and it might just be that it's I'm not in a I don't know. It's the social media aspect that really grates on me a little bit. And I just can't can't get past my own block on that. So that's okay. (laughs) But it's going to be there for a little while longer. So I'll keep you posted on when it's moving so that if anything that we've done, you know, together needs to be updated, we can do that together. But so I think, yeah, I started to ask this question, but I feel like maybe you've already answered it. So you're saying yes, it would be useful to me or valuable to me to have that website, even if at this point, it's just a connector to the other places that yeah, I so am. At let this me point. give you an example. So you you send out a, you know, whether it's an email pitch or or you actually send somebody a copy of your book or whatever to promote and you have a press release in there and they're going to they're going to want to know what your website is. And your right. website is going to just know how to contact you. That's the important thing. What you're selling, where to find you and how to contact you. Right. That's it. And then it can it can grow from there if you like. But and 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 also a sign up for your Substack, which is great. And then right. you can have that website link be anywhere else you are on social media, like um, obviously Instagram. But also, I'm thinking, you know, let's say BookBub. If you decide you want to go on BookBub, if you decide mm-hmm. you want to go on Goodreads, you know, whatever, you're going to need that. Um, website link. Excellent. I'm just looking at the time and making sure we don't eat up too much. So I want to find the questions that I think will be the most helpful to other people and not just me because you and I can just chat over coffee sometime. 
Oh, so this I just wanted to highlight for people that there was some good advice from you in the book on finding media outlets. And to do that, you would search, you said, you know, searching what other authors have done writing similar books. But then also one thing that I've gotten in the habit of doing is when I read a book is reading the acknowledgements section. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, that's been helpful because you can actually a lot of times discover who the editor and the agent Mm -hmm. are, which is not always easy to find unless you're, you know, paying for a membership somewhere at one of those sites that lets you see that stuff. Yep. so that's a great place, just a free resource for connections that that author made that worked for them. So like, I just wanted to sort of highlight that again, not a question, but just yes. a statement about um, something in the book that stood out to me. Um, and then at that point, you're just doing the research. Okay, how do I contact that editor or that agency? And that's, but at least you have a starting point. I mean, sometimes the real issue is how much information there is just the whole I'm going to start, quote, researching agents. That's massive. It's huge. So getting it smaller is always good for me. Right. Um, Okay, this is a big one. So I really wanted to know more about what it took to start your own publishing company. (laughs) So have you written about this in more depth or would you in the future? So that's my first question, because maybe you've already done some articles on it that I can find and your other listeners can find. Um, And then... So my reason for being interested in this is I hesitate to market with confidence because there's nothing between me and my work. So it's kind of like you're selling yourself. Yeah. But if you have that company name, even mm-hmm. though it's still you, mm-hmm. it's it creates like a little bit of a buffer that it's kind of like your fallback. So like if things aren't going well, you can blame the company, even though the company is you. So right. I'm just curious. Right. What helped you make that decision and what kind of, uh, you know, journey are we talking about to get you to that point? Yes. Yeah. So when I first did it in 2008, the publishing industry was different. And that, you know, that was one of the reasons that Julie and I hesitated on including publishing in the book at all, because it changes so much and so quickly and whatever. But again, the book is really for, um, it's for anybody, any writers, any authors, any aspiring authors, but really folks kind of at the beginning of the process uh, or who want to kind of go back and review the entire process at, at, a, at, at a, you know, a basic level, which I love because I think to myself, hey, you know, you can't just start somebody on book marketing by explaining the algorithm of book talk, TikTok, you know, I mean, no, you got to start at the beginning. It's like basketball, you know, you've seen that movie Hoosiers, you start with the fundamentals, you know, dribbling, passing, um, you don't start with, you know, crazy strategy. So that that was the whole idea behind, you know, the the writing the book the way we did and, and why we think we hope it's a val- valuable resource for for writers. But in my case, in 2008, the reason that I did it, and it's kind of a bad reason, really, I had a friend who heard I was writing a book and I had been trying, I'd been writing this manuscript and editing it for about eight months. And she found out, and she was always kind of my um, nemesis. You know, she was always nemesis, like a, I was going to say. Yeah. She was always like, that's why I, I probably honed into your right? article. Um, I totally she, know what you mean. She was always a step ahead. You know, she always like, she just, you know, uh, she was always a step ahead of me. And I'll leave it at that. And um, so she found out that I was writing a book. And then she's like, I'm going to write a book. And within like two weeks, she had a publishing contract. Right. And I had been pitching my book, you know, for months, and I had a folder of, you know, yeah. rejections this high. And I thought, gosh, mm-hmm. darn it. No, that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it myself. Forget it. Mm-hmm. I'm not waiting another minute. Right. So 
that kind of lit a fire, which is not a bad thing to be motivated. And I ended up reading Dan Pointer's uh, guide. It's called The Self-Publishing Guide, which, again, a lot of that book um, is a little outdated in terms of how things work in the publishing industry. However, I still think it's a great book to read if you're interested Mm -hmm. in the entire process, which not all authors are. Um, But I read the book cover to cover in between my my son's um, lacrosse, his lacrosse games. And I thought, oh, I'm going to do this because I have three kids. And, you know, it was crazy at the time. But I felt so strongly about it that I, you know, had to get it out. The other thing, too, is, Meg, I'm, I'm, I'm an accountant by trade. So mm-hmm. I already knew about business and how to contact the state to create my own company, which isn't that hard. Right. And also how to collect sales tax, because that's an important thing to know. If you're going to be a publisher and you're going to sell your own book and you're going to sell it maybe from your website, you, you need to collect sales tax and you need to remit it to your state. So that's mm-hmm. an important thing to know from a business standpoint. But if you can get yes. over that hurdle, the rest of it is not is not too bad. So I ended up hiring people to create the book cover, to create the interior design, to edit, to add and create an index for the book. Uh, and so I monitor all that, just kind of like a project manager, made sure all that got done in time. And then I hired a book marketer who taught me how to and where to spend my time in creating press materials, in uh, pitching, and to you know showing up at these um, book fairs um, in order to promote the book. And that's kind of what I consider um, a marketing plan. The things you're going to do to promote your book uh, before it publishes and then after. Um, and right. some of the things Meg and I have been talking about, they, they would all be what you decide to do to market your book and they're part of your marketing plan. It was kind of crazy doing that with a part-time job and also three children, but I was so motivated to do it. And I'll tell you, Meg, I, I was never so happy in all my life because yeah. I felt like, I mean, it was crazy, it was nuts, but I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm getting my work out there. And the big thing at the time that you had to do was, so now I'm a publisher, right? So now I'm traditionally publishing my book. Right. Right. But I'm a traditional publisher now. As a publisher, you have to find distribution. And back in the day, there were distributors out there whose business it was to sign contracts with small publishers, let's say. And of course, with one book, I was considered a small publisher. Right. Mm-hmm. So back then, what you would do is you would submit the your manuscript to the distributor, and the distributor would decide whether they were going to take you on. Well, what does that mean? What it means is that you give up half your profits on the book, but they would take the printed copies of your book, warehouse them for you, sell the right. book for you, have your book in all of their catalogs, which would tell people, bookstores, libraries ahead of time that your book was coming and what genre genre it was in. And also, you would have the advantage of their sales team. So there were six sales team members who got the book, got the press release for the book, and they were all selling to all different avenues. Um, They were selling to airports. They were selling to uh, different um, specialty stores. They they each had their own area of expertise. So for half off the book, I give up half my profits, and the distributor gives me the advantage of 
their sales team to actually get the book out there. And right. in order to sell the book, I had to print 3,000 copies. So I don't know if you know what 3,000 copies of a paperback book looks like in your garage. Are you going to pan your camera over so I can see it? <laughs> no. I see the no. walls of no. your book. <laughs> so now, now, and that's what I'll compare it to what happens now. But back then, that's what it was. And if you can imagine, you know, your stereotypical palette. Mm-hmm. And 3,000 books, you know, yeah. kind of like Raiders of the Ar- Lars Stark. You Did know, you just, just like, like strew them on your bed and just like roll them <laughs> no. for a few minutes? No. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> like, I did. the image I have for myself if oh I ever get a case gosh. of my own book. There you go. There you, well, there is, I mean, there is nothing more thrilling than getting the copy of that book in the mail. And for me, right. I'll tell you, there was no better feeling than when I got the email from the distributor after having looked at the manuscript and the distributor and it was Midpoint Trade Books, and they are no longer in business, Midpoint Trade Books. They just they don't exist anymore. But right. when they said, we're going to take on your book, I mean, that was it for me. That was my, yeah. you know, Rudy moment. And I was like, oh, thank God, Yay. thank God, thank God, somebody's going to take it. But anyway, so 1,500 books looks a heck of a lot different in your garage than 3,000 books, mm-hmm. right? So they took 1,500. I had 1,500. I would sell from my website. I was doing speaking gigs because that was my thing. I, as you can see, I'm not very shy. So I did a lot of speaking gigs. I went to mom's right. groups. I, you know, talked anywhere for anyone who would have me. And I was selling books that way. And then they were selling books on, on you know, their own. And what happened was they would come back to me and say, hey, listen, we, we have more orders. So then right. I was sending the book, more books to them in addition to the 1500. That was um, sort of exciting too. Yeah. It was. It was very exciting and, you know, basically paid back all the money that I had put out uh, as a publisher creating the book, the book cover, the interior design, the book marketing expert that I had hired. So I was paying back all those um, costs. But in terms of, you know, how much money you're going to make today, people don't print 3000 books. Right. It's print on demand and the print on demand is a great Thing because now you don't have to pay somebody to warehouse or inventory your books. But what right. it means for the smaller publisher is there's less ways to get distribution. So mm-hmm. it's really hard to get a distributor if you're a one book publisher. Right. Operations. But gotcha. then on the other hand, you can still sell it the way, you know, like, for example, Amazon KDP suggests, you know, they, they want you to just kind of be your own um, self-publisher and publish your book that way. But I think that it's better to, and again, this is just my opinion, create your own publishing company, yes, and you're a self-publisher, yes. But don't get locked into just one way to distribute your book. You know, don't Mm -hmm. just do it through um, Amazon Select. You know, sell it through Amazon, but not through Select. Right, because that limits you to that one space, which is, as we know, very oversaturated. Um, So I have one question that's not about money. And the rest of my questions are about money okay. or lack of money. All right. So this question is about endorsements. So you, I kind of got to the end of your book where you showed us some of your actual, you know, stuff from your marketing plan from your first book. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had some pretty big names on there. I didn't write any of them down, but sounded like some important people with some influence. So for authors, <laughs> so for authors suffering from, you know, routine imposter syndrome, which most of us are, what can you say about aiming high, regardless of how likely or unlikely you are to reach someone, you know, some of the yes. people that you're after? Like, do, you know, do I you know, like pitch 
don't know. I can't think of a name. Someone ridiculously famous or do I bother doing that? Oh, I see. Okay, the names. Okay, I'm trying to think. So there's two different endorsements. So there's there's endorsements of book reviewers that are industry reviewers. And mm-hmm. that's um, and there's only a handful of those, like Kirkus, Front Page. I think I include some of them. Library Journal, um, Publishers Weekly, um, and I and Booklist. Those are some examples. Booklist okay. is that you know that little magazine that if you go to the library, there's a little magazine that you can take for free, and they list monthly all the yeah, books sure. that are coming out. Okay, that's Booklist. Mm-hmm. So you can submit your book. Your gal, a galley of your book, a pre-publication, you know, galley, in, uh, you know, f- four to five months in advance of publication. So that's why we talk about the publishing timeline. It's the first thing we talk about because it's like, oh, right. give yourself enough time to take advantage mm-hmm. of these things. Should you send your book into those reviewers? Absolutely, yes, because there's only eight of them. So what the heck? Take the time right. to do it. And the other thing that's good about it is, if you. Each of them have a little bit of a different submission process. But in that process, they're going to ask you some pointed questions about your book. Summarize it this way. Summarize it in two sentences, some of them want. Some of them want you to upload it as a PDF. I mean, you're just you're just going to learn what the industry is requiring of you and your book. And it's really going to get you to think about right. what your book is all about. So it's 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 not ever a waste of time, but absolutely send it out. Uh, and people would say, hey, and, but don't pay for the, don't pay for them. Some of them say, hey, we have this option for smaller publishers and for $500 you can submit and it's you get a better chance of getting reviewed. Don't, don't pay for a review, in my opinion. Right. Uh, I wouldn't do that. But there are free options. Yes, send it, submit it. It's, it's It can be part of your book marketing plan that is going to be worthwhile time spent i think but the other right. endorsements are again it's 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 all a result of your research who do you think is going to love your book and send it out and and see if they like it so what i did this this last time around with get your book seen and sold i had been spending i'd been writing on substack for over a year and met so many great people who were writers and who were interested in in book publishing and book marketing because that's what i write about And so it was great for me to be able to send out a note to them four or five months ago and say, hey, if you're interested, take a look at my PDF. And then I created um, a page, I think it was Notion is the name of the software, not too Mm -hmm. expensive. And basically, write your blurb, you know, a sentence or two about why you like the book. Give me your name and how you would like to be attributed on that endorsement. Because once you have endorsements and you have the um, the author's name and how they want to be attributed, that becomes a media kit item too. So I right. have an endorsements page that I can send to media too. So now Meg Older's name with her blurb goes everywhere that I've sent, you know, my book too. So she's getting right. she's getting promotion as well. So that's an that that's a benefit for anybody considering taking the time to to look at your. Uh, galley and maybe give you a blurb right so it's a win it's a win-win and then um just your your email address and this notion um i think it was notion i'll 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 put it in the show notes but that collected all of those blurbs 
for me. So it wasn't even like I had to go back to individual emails and say, okay, what did that person right, say? Find them all. Everything yeah. was there. And I could just cut and paste and send it to my publisher. And then she put together, Julie, she put together the, uh, my co-author is also my publisher, which is kind of nice. And yeah. she, um, you know, put it together for me. So, um, but yeah. I'm sure you could do that like in, in Google too. You could do a Google form. That's another way to just have it all in one place. So there's probably other ways to do that. But yeah, I found it really easy to use because you sent it to me and I sent you my blurb. But, but, but again, you're sending it to people, like don't make the mistake I mentioned earlier in the interview, you're sending it to people who already are interested in what you do. I didn't send that to my friends and family. Right. I didn't. Because, I mean, none of my friends are really interested in being a writer. So I wouldn't, you know. Right. Maybe one or two, but not most of them. So. Be selective for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So now I just have a couple of questions yes. for you. Because <laughs> um, in the last few answers, you used the word hired or hiring a lot, which yep. means you're writing a lot of checks. Um, yep. One of the things that I, you know, kind of stopped me in my tracks as I was reading along was that you had a publicist. So, mm-hmm. and you have a huge plan, marketing plan. I was like, I think I wrote your marketing plan. Holy moly, that's a lot. And then, <laughs> yeah. So it was. My question is, yeah. how can someone with little to no industry or financial capital manage without a publicist? Because that's me, and I'm also a me that can't afford one realistically. Right. Um, So would you have managed to gather all of these opportunities on your own? And for someone who can't afford a publicist, like what's your advice Mm -hmm. for taking on a reasonable amount without overtaxing your schedule or your sanity? (laughs) It's such a great, great question, Veg. Great question. Thank you. So, so there's a difference between a book marketer and a publicist. So I hired a book marketer. I did not hire a publicist. Why do I think the word publicist is in your uh, Well, book? I mean, they're, they're kind of interchanged. I, I okay, mentioned okay. publicist. So publicist is somebody that you can hire. Who, well, actually, some of, their, some of their things definitely overlap. But okay. in my mind, at the time, a book marketer was someone who was willing to spend an hour with me on the phone and have me pummel her with questions about what I should do and at what point I should do it and her mm-hmm. telling me the correct way to do it industry-wise. Okay. So I was one of those people who I was in it and I was I was I would do it. I'll do it. You just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. And so she said to me, "Yeah, you want to you want to sign up for a BEA, a Book Expo America um author signing. Yes, you want to sign up. So so yes, you want to put your book in the catalog for the Frankfurt Book Fair, because that's where a lot of people are going to be looking for parenting books. Mm -hmm. Um, She said, you want to send your you you need to have a media or you need to have a marketing plan. So she helped me with the marketing plan. So I paid her to do that. So I paid Mm -hmm. her by the hour. um, And we'd have these sessions. And then if there was something else I needed from her, like, for example, she might say, yeah, I want you to send, you know, this pitch to to local TV stations. And I would say, "Okay, well, what should the pitch look like? And then she would send me an email with a standard pitch idea. And then I would go back to her and say, hey, listen, I think this is a good pitch idea. What do you think? So anyway, so she was somebody that I worked with versus a publicist who, in my mind, again, already has ways to contact media folks and does that on your behalf. Gotcha. Perhaps creates your press release, creates your author bio sheet mm-hmm. and 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 then sends it on your behalf. And gotcha. and sometimes okay. the popcorn pops and sometimes it doesn't, but publicists mm-hmm. can charge up to, you know, 
$15,000, Very luxurious. <laughs> right. Where the where in book marketing, it's okay, I was I was spending $120 an hour I think for her and I maybe gave, you know, 10 10 11 hours so over the whole, you know, and this was back in 2008 so it's a little different now. Right. So, um still kind of on that topic. Yep. I think there's something on the back copy of the book that suggests and maybe I missed it when I was reading the first time, but like there's advice somewhere about where to put your book promotion dollars. So again, this is for someone with a limited budget. If you were to pick three things, and I want you to think really hard on this because I'm looking at things like, you know, the marketing, I keep forgetting it, the media kit, like for instance, headshots, that's money. So mm-hmm. like, I can't just like write that off. It's like, that's just part of the media kit. Put that over there. That's like, that's yeah. an expense. So I want to know like top three things for a person of limited means like, what do you think are the most important things? Oh, it to spend sounds money like on? a it sounds like an article, which I'm getting, you know, <laughs> I'm getting requests for articles left and right. Like, write write this article and we'll we'll put it in. I love this. Okay, three things I would say it's going to be different for each author and what their strengths are. But sure. I would say definitely. Def- for me, Can yeah, you me for a, you, you know, a specific plan. <laughs> yes, you need a. You definitely need the website before the book publishes. So not right away, but before the book publishes, mm-hmm. you, you already have a nice warm platform going on at Substack and you've got your, you've got your, you know, your folks who are following you. So that's, that's fantastic. I would say definitely spend time or spend some money on a BookBub promotion when your book okay. comes out. So BookBub, again, talk about audience. It's a nice, warm, targeted group of people who have signed up with their personal information to learn about books, ebooks specifically, that are mm-hmm. coming up for sale. Oh my gosh, right? Right. What they've done is they bookbub, bookbub people, they've cultivated a database of people in the in the millions now. It's I think it's t- you know tens or hundreds of millions at this point. And they've asked them what their genres are. So now you have a way to take advantage of a BookBub promotion, and one is called New Releases for Less, which I'm going to take advantage of, and I'm also hoping that people, um, I'll write about it, and I'll let you know how it goes. But anyway, Mm -hmm. with New Releases for, for Less, you can tell BookBub, hey, my book is coming out X. Here's my cover, and I want to take advantage and have you send your email of new releases to all the people in your database who love young adult. Right. I mean, you can't get more targeted than that. Right. And from everything I've researched, authors have experienced fantastic results from both, uh, well, new releases for less. So that's when your book is about to be published. You have to submit it to them. They have to accept it first. Mm-hmm. They take a look at your genre. If they don't think your genre is, is matching, they'll change it. And then it goes out on the day that your book publishes. They also suggest that you put it out there for a discount. So you're giving okay. the ebook readers, you know, an advantage to buying through um, ebook. But again, you're you're meeting millions of readers, book buyers out there who are already interested in your book, and they're going to see your book through this email. That's right. one way. The other thing they also have is a featured deal program Mm -hmm. and you would pay for them to put your book out as a featured deal same kind of idea where it's genre related uh, but you're you're really putting it at a great discount for for a period of time 
And then the book goes back to the regular book goes back to the regular price. And people have said, Mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, it's so worth it. You it does cost money. You do have to submit it and have them approve it. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you do, and if they do, then people have said they've gotten great results and they've gotten great exposure. So that based on everything that I've seen, that's that's one way that I would totally spend some money on on promotion. You got one more slot. I know. I'm again, (laughs) do the research on young adult, get real specific in your area and start pitching where you see other authors in your genre getting hits. Um, In order to do some of the research, I wanted to mention there's another resource out there. Last I looked, it was $99 and it's called Publisher Rocket. And it's 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 a creation of Dave Chesson, who owns the website Kindlepreneur. I've done an interview with him a couple of times. And Dave is so generous with his information you can get all kinds of details about what he offers, information about publishing, information about book, book promotion. But anyway, Publisher Rocket, if you take the time to do that, it's really kind of geared to Amazon categories and keywords. But, okay. but you can use it as a database to find out your competition categories and keywords your competition is using and then you can go from there to do more research about where they're doing their promotion. So I think it's just such a great tool. And if you're going to be having your book on Amazon, it it will really give you a great idea of maybe what categories to select when you upload your book to Amazon. Which ones are competitive? And that's why he created it originally. What categories are going to be the best for your book? So not too saturated, but also enough people are buying the books to make it worth your while. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. This is my last question. And again, it has to do with money. (laughs) That's good. Um, That's smart. It might be a hard one. So do you have any tips for raising funds to support like a self-publishing project? For instance, like I've considered self-publishing, but for me... I wouldn't want to go the strictly ebook route just because I am such a romantic about physical books. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I could do it and feel and feel satisfied by it. Mm-hmm. So obviously there are more upfront costs when you're doing that. So I'm curious if you've seen anyone, you know, do a successful like Kickstarter type thing mm-hmm. or so I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. I have also heard that GoFundMe and Kickstarter that those are great ways to mm-hmm. get your project off the ground and I and I think it's a I think it's a great idea. I really do. Okay. I think it's a I think it's totally a great idea. The thing with money is again, just don't jump into what sounds sexy. You know, or sound there there really are no quick fixes in this. There really aren't. And you really do have to take the time to understand your book and where your potential audience is and decide is that and and I'm still doing it. I mean, I'm in the throes of promotion and after pub promotion right now. And it's like, okay, before I do anything, it's like, okay, what am I after here? What am I really expecting to get? Why am I sending this email? Why do I hope what am I asking this person to do for me? You know, mm-hmm. specifically, um, and is it going to garner more book sales? And that's the question that you have to continually ask yourself, because there are so many things out there that really, and I'd hate to see anybody waste money for sure. So for anything right. that you decide to do, you know, try to vet it, try to find out that there are other and other authors who have have benefited from from what's done. And it is, you know, listen, when you when you, you're talking about how much money you're going to make from each book, you know, 
it becomes real clear what your goals need to be. Right. You know, if you're hoping to make money from the venture, you got to be real, real careful about uh, how you're going to price the book, where you're going to put the book, and and what kind of money you're going to make back. The other thing too, Meg, is go back and decide what your goal is. We talk about that in the book. First thing you have to decide is what's your goal. Do you want to self-publish or do you want to traditionally publish? And if you want to traditionally publish, you know, exhaust that first. Right. Right. Go mm-hmm. go down the agent route. Go to a couple of writers' conferences where agents are going to be there. You know, again, money, but try it, and then and then see if that's something that is going to be worthwhile for you. And, and right. before you do, you know, try the self-publishing. Gotcha. Yeah. And for me, like I said, I started self-publishing and I ended up in a traditionally published contract. Mm-hmm. Right. And now I'm kind of in, I think uh, my Julie uh, Marquette is my publisher, but she also hybrid publishes as well. So she helps other authors with publishing too. So right. there's all these different, all these different ways that you can do it. Fantastic. Lots of information. It is. But don't give up, like for you specifically, so C.Smile, I started reading, oh my God, I love it. And it is a YA book. And, you know, I would love to see this with an agent and with a publisher. Yeah. And then go and then go the self-publishing route, if that's the way that you want to go. But yes, be very, very careful where you spend any kind of money. And just take a minute, just take a minute. Why am I doing this? What is it going to get me? And does that thing that it's going to get me mean book sales? Because right. if it's not, don't do it. Gotcha. Yeah. Good advice. Yes. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you, if it's okay, in the beginning of the, in the beginning, this book for Julie and I is really just a love letter to authors, to writers, because for years we worked as book marketers and we worked together on several different books, editing and, and writing and marketing. And as a, as a radio journalist, I was meeting authors who didn't know that there were things that they could do before the book was published to market their books. And I was right. so sad about that. And I thought, oh, gosh, we have to fix this. I have to, I, we have to write a book. So we've been talking about this for years, finally got it out there. But what we what we heard was that it was helping authors bridge the gap between writer to book marketer. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you found that to be the case. Does it help with that? I mean, you would think it's not that difficult for a writer to market their own book, but it really is. Well, it is. And I think it just comes down to, I mean, most writers will tell you that they feel insecure about their work, even when they know in their heart that it's wonderful and amazing. So there's an insecurity there, I think, that just carries into everything. So the idea of selling your book as yourself, I think is just scary. And people feel like it's not something they can do. But as I said in my blurb, and what you say in your book a lot is that there's no one better positioned to sell your book than you, because nobody loves it more. Nobody knows more what its purpose is, why you wrote it. So yeah, it makes sense that you would be the first person, the first line of offense, if you will, in in getting your book into the world. And I think for a lot of people, they they need to get over some hurdles to be able to do that, which is why not everyone's gonna make it over the hurdles. That's just, you know, survival of the fittest, I guess. But yeah, I think that's, that was the big message I got from the book was, I'm the best person to do this. Right. Yep. And that's not something that people think about. They think they need somebody that's smarter than them in this area, or that knows more than they do about marketing. But it's like, but they don't know as much about the book as you do. So you're, 
you're the prime resource. Yeah, and your, I think it makes it, it it would be nice if you could just hire somebody and they could get into your brain and just kind of be a whirlwind and do all that. And I run into that. I run into clients who are like, "Can you do it for me?" And I'm like, I, "I'm a teacher. I'm I can't do it for you because there's just too much work involved. You have to mm-hmm. want it. You have to want to do it. And again, you can just focus on one or two things. You mentioned that the marketing plan. Um, I didn't do all that stuff. I mean, that was that was pie in the sky. That was every possible thing I think I could possibly do. Um, right. And that's that's kind of what you're after. But hopefully, we're helping authors to to see that, yeah, like get get started thinking on marketing as you're writing the book, because as you're writing the book, you could be like you could have a, just just buy a little notebook at the at the grocery store. And this is your this is your marketing book. And as you're writing your book, you can be you can be jotting down. Oh, my God, you know, who would love this book X, you know, who would love, the, you know, here's a right. message. Oh, my gosh, I definitely want to get this across, you know, that and that's what I mean by start marketing early as you can. But we have to have you back, Meg, because I want to get into your book in detail. I mean, your book, when I started reading it, I it brought up so many any feelings for me, um, you really hit on what it's like to be in love in high school. <laughs> I know nothing about it. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Write what you know. Um, well, thank you for saying that. I mean, right up to really the, co- the coconut shampoo. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I mean, and so you, you listeners have no idea what exactly, you're talking about. So exactly, to direct them to the book. Absolutely. And again, that's C. Smile, and she's and, and Meg at this point has it on Wattpad. If you're you're lucky enough, you can get it on there. W a t t pad. Uh, you can go find it and um, take advantage because she will be having it on her Substack soon. And Meg's popular Substack is stockfiction.substack.com. Thank you so much, Meg, for doing this with me and helping me celebrate the the publication of the yes. book. I appreciate and it. And congratulations on your publication. Thank you so you. much. And thanks for having me. Oh, anytime. We'll do it again soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And you are listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. You've been listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold with Claudine Walk, my Substack account, claudinewalk.substack.com. Sign up for my newsletter today.